University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkland. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. Taylor, a good workout this morning. Um, uh, Taylor and Meredith are upstairs working sound, and I did not mention to thank you all earlier. Thank you for your work, even in a Sunday when there's a lot of stuff going on. I appreciate you all stepping in and doing that. Y'all know I like to roam, so I can't um, live without uh, having a microphone in hand or on my head, and since the one on my head doesn't work, then I guess I'll use this one. Um, Taylor, if you will take this mic down and this monitor down here, that'll save, save everybody some um, feedback and some earaches. Take a moment, like Tanya said at the beginning of the service, take a deep breath and look around. Enjoy the beauty of this decorated place. We had folks who stayed after worship last week to make this space beautiful and prepare for Advent and for Christmas. Took a look around at the folks that are sitting next to you, the people that we are worshiping with. God is present in this place. Jesus is here with us. Waiting. Advent and waiting. We don't like to wait, do we? We don't like dead space. I always get uncomfortable when we're in the worship service and there's too much time in between a couple of different things and I start to get antsy and think, oh no, everybody's going to lose attention or stand up and walk out. We don't like waiting. We especially don't like waiting for Christmas. Uh, the songs, uh, we get the songs earlier and earlier every year. Usually it's after Halloween. This year I even saw a couple of places where they had the decorations and were playing the music before Halloween. It's like, let's just go ahead and get this Halloween out of the way so we can get Christmas here. And some of you are probably wondering, why don't we sing more Christmas songs? We will get to those songs. Don't worry, they're coming. But we don't want to wait for it. We like everything to be now. We want everything to be in a rush, to happen all at once. You know, if you look back through the inventions and technology, change in technology over the last 200 years, really all the way back to since human beings have been inventing things, it's been about saving time and saving work. Cars were designed to get us from place to place faster, uh, and it moves faster than horse and buggy, and certainly faster than we can walk. Machines are designed to do our work for us faster. Smartphones that we carry with us everywhere are designed to keep us connected, to make life faster. We can have our to-do list there. We can make phone calls while we're in the car. All these different things making things faster and faster. We don't like still time. We don't like to wait. And yet there's this paradox of technology. Have you noticed it? That whenever a new piece of technology comes about that saves us time, we fill up that time that we saved with something else. And so we'll need another piece of technology to do that thing faster and that time that we save, we fill it up with something else. Because all of these time-saving inventions that you have around your house, your washing machine and dryer, um, some of you may remember being having to do all that by hand or at least with a much slower machine, um, your Instapot or the, the air fryer that you've got that cooks things quickly, all these inventions that design to save us time to make things happen faster. Are you feeling it? Are you feeling all that free time that you've got saved up from, from using that Instapot yet? We don't fill it because we fill it up with something else. 
We want the important things in life to happen right now so we can move on to the next big thing. And this is the way we live our lives as if there were not ever going to be enough time. And so when we are forced to wait on something, when this phone is not going fast enough and my internet isn't loading or I'm having to go to the store and wait in a line for the, for the self-checkout line. I mean, you have self-checkout. We should be able to go through fast now, you know, but no, you still have to wait in line for that. Or you're at the bank. You're waiting to go through and deposit a check if you're not doing it on your phone. We have all these moments in life when we have to wait and stand still, and we try to redeem the time doing something else because when you're standing in line at the store, what are you doing? You're checking on the next thing. You're calling somebody. You're checking on what's happening. And it's so inherent in what we do and who we are as human beings in this day and age that we very rarely take time to stop and appreciate the moment that we are actually in. That is human time. God's time is different. There is eternal time. In God's time, things don't happen right now, but at the right time. You've probably heard it mentioned many times. There are two different words in Greek for time. There is chronos time, which, from which we get the words chronology, chronograph, etc. Um, those, this is time that we count with the clock. That's what this blue clock in the back here is ticking away right now, telling me how much time I have left to finish this sermon. This is countable time, measurable time. But then there is another kind of time that's mentioned in the Greek, and it is kairos time. And this is the fullness of time. It is the eternal perspective. And it's mentioned uh, in the Gospels, when they write about Jesus coming, uh, they talk about when the fullness of time had come. It didn't mean that God had a certain number of hours, minutes, and seconds down until Jesus was supposed to come. It meant when everything was prepared, when all was ready, when the moment was right, Jesus came. This is a completely different way of seeing time. And you and I can experience this Kairos time from day to day in certain moments. When we, you sit still, maybe you're sitting in front of the fireplace. If you all light your fireplace as much these days, it's not very necessary. But for me, sitting in front of a fire or watching a candle, sometimes I just sit there and I soak in that moment, soak in the warmth and also just sit there and relax. Or, or when you're looking at a beautiful flower or looking at a sunset, and those moments that seem to last and stretch out forever, even though it may only really last a very few seconds, this is Kairos time. It's not counted in ticks of clocks of seconds, but it's counted in the moments that we are there and present with each other, with ourselves, and with the world. I was reminded last week that I missed my obligatory Slovak reference, so I might have to put two of them in this week. I won't do that to catch up. But I had to learn a little bit about waiting uh, from our friends in Slovakia. I'm going to find a picture of it here because I know. Hold on, where is it? Um, the picture of, of the bus. Can you all find that in there? There we go, the bus in Slovakia. So when we first moved to Slovakia, we did not have a car. We lived in the center of town, and all of these European cities are very well connected in terms of public transit. You can take the bus or trams all around town. You can take the train between cities. And so we had to learn this process of getting on the bus, waiting on the bus. So we would go to the bus stop, and we would stand there and wait to take the girls up to school because they would, uh, you took the public buses to school. They didn't have school buses, so we would wait with them and stand there. 
looking at this. The whole time the girls are running around, they had this magical thing that they played Narnia, read the, the, the two couple of posts right there. So they would be playing while they were really young. And I was just tapping my toes because I needed to get on to the next thing. I really needed to get them up to school, get them there so I could get back to my language learning or whatever it was. Once we got on the bus and finally got there, the Slovaks were not doing anything on the bus for the most part. And I, I was trying to fill up my head. I would take a book. I would do something. But they would just sit there and watch and look out the window and enjoy it or have conversation with one another. They would enjoy this time of waiting. It was in between time. It was an opportunity for them to have conversation with each other or just to sit still in silence, which we as human beings hardly ever do. And as I sat on more and more buses with them, they would, you were sitting there. There's nothing else that you could do. You couldn't, if, if you weren't going to get to your stop in time, then, I mean, just sitting there tapping and worrying about it wasn't going to help any. So they just sat and watched. I tried to soak that in. I didn't do a very good job of it because I still like to keep moving from thing to thing. But it's that, that idea that we've got to be on the move. We have to be doing something. And waiting is worthless. Waiting means wasting time. But it does not. Not in God's time, it is not. And that's what this time of Advent is about. It's a time to wait and to prepare for the arrival of Jesus. We celebrate the first, the original arrival of Jesus, but we also look forward to the second arrival of Jesus when God comes and when this kingdom of God that is right here, just right around the corner that Jesus says, it's at hand, it's right here, it's now, when that is fulfilled and everything is made the way that we feel like it should be. And that's why we aren't jumping quickly to the Christmas songs just yet. Because you can sing those without even thinking about them. You won't even have to think about the words. You can sing Silent Night or whatever. But in this meantime, we celebrate the fact that we are in between the, the, the beginning of that promise and its fulfillment. It's not just a time for being nervous and tapping your foot and trying to figure out something to do in the meantime. It's actual waiting and anticipation. And that's where today's story finds us. We are looking at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth from Luke's gospel. Each of the gospels tells the story of Jesus' birth in a little different way. Mark actually doesn't really mention it at all, and John only kind of refers to it. So mainly the, the narratives that we hear come from Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel. And Luke tells us not just about the birth of Jesus, but about a family uh, affair that happens before this. So I'm going to be reading from the message version. I had planned to show it on the screen, but like most everything else this morning, the technology is not working. So you'll just have to hear it and listen. This is from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5 from the message version. During the rule of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest assigned service in the regiment of Abijah. His name was Zechariah. His wife was descended from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Together they lived honorably before God, careful in keeping to the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. So I'll kind of interrupt the story just for a moment to give you some background. Um, this was a priestly family, and these families who typically were born into the line of priests, they would have semi-voluntary service where basically for certain times of the year or certain seasons, these persons, these priests would have to go to the temple or to the local worship place and to help run things like a pastor does now to make sure that the candles were all lit, to make sure that the sacrifices were done correctly. Zechariah was one of those. And we learn from the very beginning, Luke tells us that these were very godly people. They were not people who were living, uh, doing awful things. They lived uprightly before God and before the community. And so you would think in the grand scheme of things that karma would work out for them, and yet it does not. 
Because they were childless, Luke says, because Elizabeth could never conceive, and now they were quite old. Seems to be a theme that we hear in the scriptures of folks who cannot have children suddenly finding that they will be able to. And so it happened that Zechariah was carrying out his priestly duties before God, working the shift assigned to his regiment. It came his turn, one turn in life to enter the sanctuary of God and burn incense. So there was uh, each priest had their own group uh, that they worked with. They worked together with on the temple, but each priest had the opportunity once in life to go into a very special place uh, to light incense and to offer prayers before God. And only one person was allowed to go in at a time here to this place at a certain time of year. And this year, it fell to Zechariah, an exciting time. It had finally come. The congregation was gathered and praying outside the temple at the hour of the incense offering, unannounced. An angel of God appeared just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was paralyzed with fear. That's probably putting it nicely. But the angel reassured him, don't fear, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Which prayer? Elizabeth, your wife will bear you a son. You are to name him John. You're going to leap like a gazelle for joy, and not only you, many will delight in his birth. He will achieve great stature with God. He will drink neither wine nor beer. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from the moment he leaves his mother's womb. He will turn many sons and daughters of Israel back to their God. He will herald God's arrival in the style and strength of Elijah, soften the hearts of parents to children, and kindle devout understanding among hardened skeptics. He will get the people ready for God. And so the angel is promising uh, not only that this long-fulfilled dream of Zechariah and Elizabeth of to have a child, this will come to pass. It actually will happen even though they're well past childbearing age. Not only is this going to be fulfilled, but even more, this is going to be a very special child. And we know that this child that is born is John the Baptist, who ends up being a forerunner for Jesus and getting the world ready for Jesus' message. Zechariah said to the angel, do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man, and my wife is an old woman. But the angel said, I am Gabriel, the sentinel of God, sent especially to bring you this glad news. But because you won't believe me, you'll be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. Every word I've spoken to you will come true on time, God's time. Meanwhile, the congregation waiting for Zechariah was getting restless, wondering what was keeping him so long in the sanctuary. When he came out, and couldn't speak, they knew that he had seen a vision. He continued speechless and had to use sign language with the people. When the course of his priestly assignment was completed, he went back home, and it wasn't long before his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. She went off by herself for five months, and this is the part that stuck out to me when I read this story. She went off by herself for five months, relishing her pregnancy. So this, she said, is how God acts to remedy my unfortunate condition relishing her pregnancy, relishing the waiting. As we mentioned a moment ago, giving children to barren couples seems to be one of God's uh, primary uh, miracles. We have Sarah and Abraham at the beginning, and they have Isaac, uh, Hannah and Elkanah, who we read about a few weeks ago, who had Samuel, the prophet, 
Elizabeth and Zechariah, who were also very old, and they ended up having John. And then, of course, in just another chapter, we're going to read about Mary and Joseph, who have a baby in another unexpected way. And pregnancy really is, I think, never having experienced it myself, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but it seems to me like it's a great metaphor for this Advent time, because for those who have waited all their lives to have a child, the pregnancy itself, even though it's nine months long and sometimes very difficult, that process itself is something to relish. Yes, there's morning sickness. Yes, there's all kinds of other things that come along with that, but there's also the joy and the anticipation and the waiting. And that anticipation is so sweet. Uh, Tanya and I talked about it a number of times when she was pregnant with both of our girls, just how much she enjoyed that process of being pregnant and of looking forward to the arrival of that child. That is just the waiting. Yes, the children came. Yes, they were born. Eventually, John was born to Elizabeth and to Zechariah. But in the meantime, she relished the pregnancy. She relished that waiting time because she knew that the promise will be fulfilled. She knew that it was coming even though it wasn't there yet. I looked for a picture that might help us see this a little bit more clearly, and that's not it. That's the one. Just the joy of knowing that you're going to have a child, of knowing that this child is coming, even understanding that there are going to be special and difficult things that would happen in his life, she took time to relish the pregnancy. So all this is nice, talking about waiting and, and taking joy in the middle of waiting, but can we really do that? Is that something that really can matter to you and to me? I have a couple of thoughts to offer you on waiting as we think about it this Advent season. The first thing to remember is that we learn from this story and, and was mentioned in the message version is that God's timing is perfect. I'm going to say that again. God's timing is perfect. And it is not that God has the actual numbers of hours of days and seconds and all that stuff lined out. Maybe God does know that. But I'm not saying that God has a certain timeline at exactly this point it's going to happen. I mean, in the fullness of time, the things that we are waiting for, God will bring to pass at the right time. And that is kind of opposite of what we think sometimes. I think we want to rush and get to this point. We want to rush for everything to be right and everything to be perfect. We want to rush for our lives to be in the right state for Christmas. We want to rush to all these things. But in the waiting, in the midst of that, God is present. That moment is pregnant with possibility and opportunity if we will take time to relish it. So that's the first thing, that God's timing is perfect. The second thing is that if God's timing is perfect and the waiting is part of that fulfillment, then waiting time does not mean wasting time. It doesn't mean we have to waste our time until something happens. The anticipation of something good sometimes is just as powerful as the thing itself. If we were to take a few moments and think about our upcoming gatherings with family and friends, the Christmas parties that we'll be at, the wonderful times that we'll spend together, it makes these moments waiting for those things even sweeter because we know that they will come. When those moments come, yes, we'll have the pictures and the memories of the events themselves, but the waiting, if we allow it to, the waiting can be just as pregnant with joy and with anticipation. So remember, if we are waiting for something, it doesn't have to be wasting time if we allow it. And the best way to allow that to happen is to live in this moment right now. 
to be present here, not thinking about lunch and what you're going to be doing next. Maybe your tummy's grumbling. Not to be thinking about the other things that you have to do this afternoon. Those things are going to be there. And in Kairos time, they will happen when they happen. But right now you are here in God's presence, in this place that is beautifully decorated and the preparation for the arrival of Jesus, surrounded by people who are looking for and working for the kingdom of God. In this time and place, God is present here. Jesus is here with us. And so we don't have to wait for Jesus anymore because Jesus is here in the waiting. It is an abstract concept, but it's something that I want to give you a way to practice this week. Um, we're going to have a few moments of silence, and I'll let you take that. And, and in your bulletin, you'll have some space there down at the bottom where you can write down um, notes if you want. But I just want to encourage you this week sometime to stop and be still in that moment, to put your phone down, to shut your computer screen off, to just sit somewhere beautiful and relish that moment, to think about the things that are going to be coming up and to live in anticipation of those things and just to appreciate being in God's presence for that moment because we don't have to invite God. We don't have to go looking and seeking to find God. Wherever we are, God is there. It's a question of recognizing it and being present with God. So in these few moments of silence, I want you to think about that, and then I'll offer a prayer for us before we finish. Loving God, you created us to live in communion with you, to live in this present moment and to see it and to enjoy it and appreciate this moment for what it is. Things are not yet perfect. Your kingdom has not yet completely come, and yet it is on the way. We know that as certainly as we know anything, and we trust and hope. So in this moment, we wait. We wait for you to come. We wait for the things that will be coming up soon. In the midst of all this busyness, we sit still and we wait. May we find your presence in all the places we wait this week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.